Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast, where you will learn how to start living more by doing less. Let me help you optimize, automate, and outsource your entire life so you can focus on doing the things you love. Now here's your host, Ari Mizell. Hey everyone, it's Ari. So the episode you're about to hear now was recorded live and raw, it is unedited, at our recent Less Doing Los Angeles event. The event included about 50 amazing entrepreneurs, many of whom are in the Less Doing Leaders coaching program. We had world-class speakers and the theme of the event was perfect your process. So we had experts across several different genres and every talk was given as a fireside chat style conversation. So again, they're unedited. They're, these episodes are explicit. We are an explicit podcast, but these were uh, a little more explicit in some cases than others. So fair warning. And if you want to find out more about what we do at a Less Doing Live event, after you listen to this episode, go to lessdoing.com and click on our live events button. Now enjoy the episode. All right, so we have Jim Quick. Yeah. Hey. Uh, how many of you have ever seen Jim speak before or heard of Jim? Or... Okay, good. Or have completely forgotten who Jim I was. Forgotten. That would be really bad that at that, bad. right? That would be the worst. So, so Jim uh, helps people remember things and helps with brain optimization. And, and he's worked with a lot of celebrities to remember their lines and like all sorts of just ways to sort of just... Uh, uh, integrate information better into the way that, that we operate. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have him here is that as I'm, one of the things we talked about yesterday was idea capture and how important that is and how to do that in a systematic way. But there's always going to obviously be times, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of this comes down to like your human, your meat, the biology, right? And so we can put all these systems in place, but those are a layer on top of how we operate. So at the end of the day, uh, and much to the point, as Joe said, like if you take care of your body, you take care of your brain, like that's going to cascade down and sort of affect all the other things. So that was that was my thinking in having uh, Jim here as a subject matter expert. So so thank you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Mind. So uh, can you give people who don't, because not everyone has heard of you or seen you speak, just a little bit of background about how you got into this game? Yeah. The um, well, my name is Jim Quick with Quick Learning, and I help people learn quickly. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> um, quick really is my last name. I didn't change it to do what I do. I, you know, I had to be a runner back in school, and a lot of pressure when it says "quick" right on your shirt. I um, have to be careful when I'm driving because you know you can't talk your way out of that speeding ticket when your driver's license says "quick" right on it. And um, I get to do my mission in life and my life purpose, which is teaching people how to learn, how to read, how to remember, how to focus uh, faster and smarter. And that's, that's my life's work. Um, I, the people, if you, if you see me on stages, um, you'll see me memorize like 50 or 100 people's names or, or 100 digit numbers or words or stuff like that. I always tell people I don't do this to impress you. I do this more to express to you what's really possible because the truth is every single one of you could do that and a lot more. Um, we just weren't taught how. If anything, I feel like we were taught a lie, a lie that somehow um, our potential, our intelligence, our memory, for example, somehow fixed like uh, your shoe size, and it's absolutely not true. Like We've discovered more about the human brain in the past 10 years than the previous thousand years, and what we found is, conclusively, is we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities time and time again. 
And uh, I know this because I grew up with learning difficulties and learning challenges. And that I had a brain injury at the age of five, had a very bad accident, uh, a series of traumatic brain injuries. And um, I didn't understand things. I was put in special classes. Um, I had very bad focus. Teachers would you know, like repeat themselves over and over again. And I'd, I would, after a while, just pretend I understood, but I didn't really understand. Uh, it took me an extra four years to learn just how to read. You know, when you're passing around that book back in school and, you know, the book's coming closer and closer to you, you had to read out loud. I think that's where a lot of um, trauma around public speaking came from. But, you know, every time that book came closer, I, you know, I got it, I would actually just, I would look at it and I would just pass it on. I just, I didn't understand things. Um, at the age of nine, one of my teachers pointed to me thinking I wasn't paying attention, talking to another adult and said, that's the boy with the broken brain. And, um, and so that was my identity. And I think um, parents or adults or anyone who has children or anyone who was a child, you just have to be very careful with yourself, your talk, because your external words become a child's internal words. And those became my internal words. Um, every, time, every time I did bad on a test or a quiz or a book report or I wasn't picked for a team or whatever, I would always say, oh, that's because I have a broken brain, right? And so I talk a lot about mindset and um, in terms of productivity and performance and learning. But um, I, I struggled all like that. And then eventually at the age of 18, I hit a wall. I was just, you know, first year in college, I wanted to make a fresh start. And I just thought this was so unfair. I have to work so much harder than everybody else. And uh, two, three times harder to get less results. And I was ready to quit school. And because um, I just couldn't hack it. And uh, that's when I, I just, because I was living in the library and um, I wasn't eating. I wasn't doing any of the things we were talking about. like you know, working out, eating, spending time with friends, doing anything that was good. And uh, I hit a wall and I just passed out in the library one night. I fell down a flight of stairs. I hit my head again and um, I woke up in the hospital. And it was a really scary time because I, I, at this point I lost, I was, I was down to 117 pounds. I was just wasting away and I was hooked up to all these IVs. And I, um, I just thought there had to be a better way. And it was the darkest time in my life. And I just, I thought, when I had that thought in the in the, uh, in the hospital, the nurse came in with a mug of tea, and it had a picture of um, Albert Einstein on it, um, and it had this quote that you've all heard before. It said, "The same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem," right? And it made me ask a new question. And I really do believe questions are an incredible tool for entrepreneurs, for individuals who want to take things to the next level. I really think asking you shall receive. It controls our focus. Um, you know, it's how we focus our, our, our particular activating system. It, it, it comes up with new solutions for people who want to innovate. You know, we know that most innovation comes from people outside of an industry. Um, there's a great book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution that, you know, basically, because it takes somebody from the outside to look in, like an Elon Musk looking at the automotive industry saying, why aren't you guys, like, zero-based thinking? Why aren't you guys doing it this way, right? Because they, they went educated with the same kind of limitations and learned helplessness. And... Um, and so I, 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 um, I asked him a question saying, well, what's wrong with me, you know, and how do I make it better? And I was like, well, I'm a very slow learner. And I was like, well, how do I think differently about it, according to Einstein? I was like, well, maybe I can learn how to learn. And I was like, great, how do I do that? Well, how do I learn anything? Go to school, right? Um, and so I picked up a course bulletin for courses the next semester, and I looked at her classes on how to learn, and there were zero classes on how to learn. There were all classes on what to learn. You know, important subjects like math, history, science, Spanish, but no classes on how to think, 
how to solve problems, how to focus, how to concentrate, how to be creative, all the things you're learning you know, this week, none of those buses. And so I put my studies aside and I start focusing on those things. I wanted to understand, like, I wanted to solve this riddle about how, how does my brain work so I can work my brain? You know what I mean? Because your brain is this incredible, you know, supercomputer, if you will, but it doesn't come with an owner's manual and I don't think it's very user friendly, right? And, and so I wanted to study this. I started studying adult learning theory, multiple intelligences, uh, you know, memory, mnemonics, all this stuff. And eventually, uh, about 60 days into it, a light switch flipped on, and I started to understand things for the first time, really understand them. I started to retain things. I, uh, I started to read faster. I started to um, have better focus and comprehension. And my grades shot up, and, and then my life just got better, right? Um, and then the reason why I'm, this was 25 plus years ago, the reason why I'm still um, teaching it to this day is because um, when, I was so upset when I learned these things because they were really simple, fun, easy to do things that you know made my life easier. Um, I was like, but I was like, why didn't they teach us this back in school, right? And so I started to teach people and train the, and tutor. And one of my very first students, she was a freshman. Um, she read thirty books in thirty days. Now I don't know as an entrepreneur. I don't know like, can you imagine like going online and picking up thirty books on leadership, negotiation, marketing, you know, funnel, anything? And be able to not just not not skim scan get the gist of it read those books and I found out I wanted to find out not how she did it I know exactly how she did it because I taught her I wanted to find out why and you know I, I think a great marketer is, you know really understands human psychology you know human motivation and I found out that her mother was dying of terminal cancer and was given two months to live just 60 days to live and the books she was reading were books on health, wellness, alternative medicine, energy, anything she could get her hands on to be able to save her mom's life. Um, six months later, I get a call from this young lady. She's crying and she's crying. Yeah. It's hard to think about, but um, I find out there are tears of joy. Her mother not only survived, but is really getting better. The doctors don't know how, they don't know why. Uh, they called it a miracle, but her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter, who learned it from all these books. And at that moment, I realized that, you know, if knowledge is power, then learning is our superpower. And it's a superpower we all have access to. It's just, we live in an age, you know, of autonomous electric cars and spaceships that are going to Mars. But our vehicle choice when it comes to education or learning is like, it's like a horse and buggy. You know, it hasn't updated, it hasn't prepared us for the world we live in now. And so if you feel overloaded, distracted, uh, like you're losing your, if, how many people here have too much to learn too little time, right? How many people here have books on your shelf you haven't read yet? It becomes like shelf help, not like self help. <laughs> <laughs> think about all the emails and the book and the proposals and all the things you need to do, all the data, and you have to spend upwards, you know, know better than I do, you know, like four or five hours a day just to kind of keep current information processing, right? Mm -hmm. But no one shows us how to process that information. And organization and systems is so important. What I want to do is up-level your ability to learn it faster. Um, and not, not only learn it faster, but retain it, right, and understand it. So it's not even when I teach speed reading, it's not about reading faster, like frantic fast. It's about having better focus and, and, and getting, more, um, getting more understanding of it. So instead of speed reading, it's more like smart reading, right? But when's the last time you took a class called reading? How old were you? I mean, it's a skill, right? You weren't born, you weren't born with the ability to read. So it's clearly you learned it. So when's the last time you had training on it? 
first grade. Yeah, like when you're six years old. And the difficulty and demand has increased so much. So, that, you know, Moore's Law, this information is doubling at dizzying speeds. But how you learn it, read it, retain it, and that growing gap creates a lot of concern. And it holds entrepreneurs back, I find, because it creates information anxiety, information fatigue syndrome, higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, uh, more sleeplessness. And uh, you have all these open loops, and you can't keep up with the demand, and you think there's something wrong with you. And I just feel like we just weren't taught. So I don't, I don't think it's a matter of fault. And it's not about teachers. Like my, my mother became a school teacher, uh, special education teacher, because she was trying to help me. But it's just it's a system issue. And so I think if there's one, you know, amongst the top skills to master in the 21st century, it's, uh, it's your ability to learn faster. Because that's the only constant. I mean, they say somebody entering the workforce right now from school is going to have anywhere from 8 to 12 different careers. Not jobs. Like different, because how fast is the world you know, how fast is it changing? And the half-life of information, like from someone graduating, it becomes dated, right? And now, now the reason why it's important for everyone here is because nobody here is paid for your muscle power. You're just not, you're paid for your mind power, right? You're not paid for your brute strength, you're paid for your brain strength. And the faster you can learn, the faster you, you, you can earn. But, um, but I just feel like these, these are capacities and unique abilities that we could all, we could all enhance. Awesome, okay. so. Couple different ways I want to go with this. Uh, so the first thing is, uh, as I mentioned yesterday about me, like I I, I have a real hard time reading. Like I just I just can't I can't maintain engagement when I'm reading. I know what that's what it is. It's not that I can't comprehend. But if I watch a video, like I, I will literally remember it forever, whether I want to or not. Yeah. So uh, and I wish I'd known that in school. Uh, <laughs> it would have been really helpful. But so at a simple level there, like sort of in my case, should I be still trying to work on improving that reading skill or should yeah. I just? So, so I think everybody has uh, preferred learning styles, right? Like, right there, like everyone write your, if you have a notebook, um, just write your first and last name. Um, by the way, I, I, um, in my podcast, um, which we launched last year, we, I, I did a whole session on note taking and um, it's kind of interesting the science of it. Like what's better, handwritten notes or digital, um, in terms of understanding and retention, and I, and I'm all the the, the answer at, at a very simple answer is, is analog, um, but but I love digital though because of of storage and sharing, right? And um, so, but uh, I like I like to personally do handwriting, and part of it also in terms of typing because the worst way of taking notes, according to studies, is um, what do you think the worst way of taking notes is? Yeah, like verbatim, right? Um, and but the, one of the best ways is like this whole brain note take different whole brain note taking techniques. But one of the reasons why handwriting um, is very powerful is because you can't possibly write every single thing a person is saying. So you it automatically at a meta level when we're talking about heuristics, you have to filter for the most important things, right? So as opposed to just capturing everything. But um. Um, so yeah, my goal for you over the, the short period of time we have is that you just create, make crazy notes and just, if we could just go in tactics. Um, when we're talking about reading, um, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with people who, how many people here, like when you wrote your first and last name, what I want you to do is switch hands with the opposite hand and write your first name, first and last name with your opposite hand. Go on. Still writing. <laughs> now show your show show your neighbors. Show the people. <laughs> it's 
pretty bad. So real quick, guys. So here's the thing. Like, just we'll make this a little interactive. Out of one and two, which one was faster? One. 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 Right. Which one was more comfortable? One. Which one was higher quality? One. Hopefully, hopefully one. Right. So the second one, it was slower. Right. It was. It was felt more uncomfortable, a little weird, and the quality wasn't quite as good. I feel like when. Have you ever been very even interested in this subject and you're going through something like a class or a conference or whatever, or a speaker, and for some reason, even though you're interested in the topic, you're just not getting it? Yeah. Have you ever been in that situation? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you're trying to learn it with the opposite hand. You know what I mean? So it takes longer and the quality's not quite as good and it feels, it feels weird, right? And, or maybe the way the teacher prefers to teach is different than the way you prefer to learn and it's like you're two ships in the night and you literally don't even see each other or connect, right? So I think understanding, I think self-awareness is definitely a superpower. You know, I, I really do believe for me, you know, fulfillment comes from really having the curiosity to, to know yourself, right? Whatever process you go through, whether it's therapy, meditation, journaling. Um, but once you have the curiosity to know yourself and you know yourself, having the courage to, to be yourself, right? But it starts with that knowing and knowing who you are. And so part of it is knowing your beliefs, your values, your identity, right? Because all of this got imprinted on us. And um, you know, I always talk about these, these five levels of, of learning and you know, the reason why we really don't do a behavior and we procrastinate and we self-sabotage and that, that might be useful in, in this context um, because I think we all know what to do, but we don't do it. That common sense is not common practice. We take one step forward and we take three steps back and you wonder why. Um, and because we're not logical, but we're biological, right? When we're talking about, when Joe's talking about like dopamine and oxytocin, and serotonin, and endorphins, I mean, we're this chemical soup. And then, but then you wonder and, and, you, and you have this self-loathing and you feel like you're not good enough and there's something wrong. But studies done in uh, self-compassion actually prove that kindness goes a long way with yourself. That when you beat yourself up over something you know, because you didn't work out that day or you didn't make those calls or whatever it is, you think it's gonna reinforce positive behavior moving forward and actually has the opposite effect. And when you're kind to yourself and allot yourself to be human, knowing that perfection is not really a measure of a standard anyway, because you know you're never gonna hit that, but progress is better, then you're gonna progress faster. Um, But going back to this learning styles, my thing is working with adults or working with children is people always wanna ask like how smart someone is. How smart am I or how smart are my kids? But that's the wrong question, going back to questions are the answer. It's not how smart you are, it's how are you smart. That makes sense, right? It's not how smart your kids are, it's how are they smart. You know, one of the challenges I have when it comes to IQ um, is, is the two notions that, that are built into it, that IQ is fixed. You can take this test when you're a child and it's something that it's just, it's like, it's where it is for the rest of your life. Um, but we know that's not, clearly that's not the case, right? Because you could train any kind of abilities. I could train anybody in this room to, to have, to, to boost their IQ points because it's just learning styles, right? It's just learning strategies. 
Um, but the other thing about IQ is kind of like these standardized tests put you in this box saying like, if you're not good at this and this, then you're not intelligent. You know what I mean? Like even simple example, like the SATs, right? You have your, your reading, your verbal, linguistic, and then you have your mathematical, right? But there are so many far, like there's the breadth of intelligence is not limited to these two areas, right? Like there's like, what if, you know, somebody has great musical intelligence, right? They're a great musician, like like the like the ones like you know, for, on, like on the on the dark star on, on the black star black star there. That's amazing. Like like imagine some is that is that a form of intelligence and genius? Yes or yes or yes, right? Of course. What about somebody who has great uh, kinest? They're they're great with their body. They have great. They excel kinesthetically, right? They're a great athlete or, or dancer, right? And so um, or interpersonal, you know, people who are great with people. The people who are great connectors and they have a wonderful ability to, to as great salespeople or negotiators, or interpersonal or intrapersonal, where interpersonal is self to others, uh, intrapersonal is self to self, right? People who really understand the human, the human condition. You know, what about, um, you know, visual spatial? People are great artists um, or, you know, graphic designers or architects. So there's this, this huge breadth of, of intelligence that are out there. And what I'm saying is that e each one is individual and it should be you know, valued. And also every, each of those also could be improved through training and, and consistency. Um, and so going back to reading, I, I think reading is a superpower. I think it is one of the best exercises for the mind. Now, I know some people just don't enjoy reading, and so you don't do it very often, right? Because I was a very poor reader. I never read a book cover to cover all through school because I was such a slow reader. But there's something in psychology called the competence-confidence loop. And some of you might have studied this back in school. It's the more competent you get at something, the more confidence you have around it. And then since you're more confident, you're going to do it more often, which is going to increase your ability, your skill, your confidence, and it becomes a positive momentum because um, success breeds success, right? You could build on it. And so a lot of people don't enjoy reading because they're just not good at it because they weren't trained properly when they were five or six years old. You picked up all these bad habits. And honestly, a lot of learning that I do with individuals, doesn't matter with their kids, you know, with learning challenges to adults who feel like they're losing their minds, you know, seniors, senior moments coming a little bit early, they feel absent-minded. Like how many of you ever read a page in a book, got to the end and just forgot what you just read? <laughs> and you go back and you reread it and you, you still don't know what you just read, right? <laughs> or, or you walk into a room and you, to, for something very specific, and you forget why you're there, right? Uh, or you're taking a shower and you can't re remember if you shampooed your, your hair or not, right? And All the end, time. <laughs> and you end up doing it twice, or like we, we, we misplace things, your wallet, your purse, your, your, you know, your, your car keys, or if not your car keys, something larger like, like your car. Right? You see the people like, where'd you park the car in the mall lot and stuff like that. But note, like, I'm, but I'm always curious, like, you, you forget where you parked the car, but you don't forget that you had a car. Right? There are certain things that you, you remember. I do believe, you know, when, when we're talking about genius, I believe my, the overriding meta belief I have, because that's all quick brain is, quick learning is, a set of principles or procedures, you know, be able to, to learn faster, achieve more. All I'm thinking about is, like, at a high level, I feel like, Man, so so many ways to go to this. I feel like you don't have a memory. I feel like you do a memory. I, like a big part of what I'm what I'm what I'm training people is that genius genius leaves clues. That if somebody excels in a certain area, then you could get similar results because there's a method behind the magic. Like when I go on stage and I memorize all these names, like I'm doing something I didn't do before. Because there's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's just a trained memory 
and an untrained memory. Does that make sense? Like, and when I'm going back to memory as into a process, what I love about the past, you know, yesterday, today, tomorrow, is everything's process oriented. So we're not, like you don't have motivation, you do motivation. You don't have focus, you do focus. You don't have creativity, you do creativity, right? You don't have energy, you do energy. You don't have a memory, you do a memory, right? But just nobody showed you, like, and what's the benefit of taking something from a static noun to, to a verb? What's the benefit? There's steps. Yeah, there's steps, there's a process, right? So then, then it puts you at pause as opposed to effect. You don't wake up and, and just like, oh, I don't, I don't feel creative to write today. You know what I mean? It doesn't even make any sense, right? Even when we're talking about writer's block and when you talk to this, some, and I know everyone has a different process, but the main thing is they have a process. The challenge is most people's process is unconscious. The people who are really good at what they do, a lot of them haven't made it conscious. And when you don't make something conscious, you're at the effect of everything, you're a victim. And you just think it's because of destiny or it's because of, you know, whatever, right? But there's always a method behind what looks magical. And so my thing is, because I grew up struggling, like think about me at the tender age of five, labeled the boy with a broken brain, I became incredibly introverted, incredibly shy. I would just watch everybody and because I don't want any attention on me, right? Like maybe I, I don't I didn't want to be seen. You know what my superpower, I talk about superheroes a lot, you know, on my Instagram and stuff like that. It's, it's because I couldn't read when I was a kid. And so I taught myself how to read by reading comic books late at night. And something about the, how many people kind of geek out over like Avengers and X-Men and, and like, yeah. So it's like something about the stories about good versus evil and one person can make a difference and hope, uh, you know, and help. And I just feel like that, that that's, that's I, I love that. And, I, and so um, I could read, I taught myself how to read through comic books, but I think that, you know, entrepreneurs are modern, modern day superheroes. Like, they dis you've discovered and developed your superpowers, but just having superpowers doesn't make you a superhero, right? You have to use your powers for what? Your unique ability. When I say superpowers, I'm not talking about shooting lasers out of your eyes and stuff. I'm talking about your unique, your unique ability, your talent, your strengths, you know, whatever your core competencies, whatever you call it. But just having those doesn't make you a superhero. You have to express it. And you know, entrepreneurs are great to doing it because they solve problems, they create jobs and value that wasn't there anymore. And, and that, so I feel like um, my, my thing is if you take these um, nouns and you make them into a process, then we can systemize it, right? When you, like there's a process for remembering people's names. There's a process for uh, like reading a book faster. And I feel like going back to reading, to answer your question, most people who don't read, I could identify with that because my superpower growing up as a kid was like I was invisible because I was broken. I didn't want any attention. I don't want to be seen. I didn't want to be heard. But just think about that, that child, and you're just looking around at everybody, and you're, I think questions dictate our life. And you're asking questions like, you know, why, why is this person so popular? You know what I mean? Or why am I not enough? All these questions, and you just start watching people, and, and you start learning, right? And so to this day, I, that's my driving question, is just because I suffered so much, I'm thinking, how do I make this better, and how do I learn this so I could teach it to somebody, somebody else? Um, because I feel like there's a lot of suffering that's going on. And, and I really talk about superheroes and superpowers. I think they're supervillains too. And, and just, just my, my metaphors, you know, especially 
super villains for your business that are holding back your productivity, your performance, your profit that previous generations didn't have anywhere near as a biggest challenge. And it's driven by a digital age, right? And I, I, I love my smart devices and I love technology. Um, I'm just trying to balance it or harmonize it in a way where I, I could use it as a tool and not, not be used by it. Does that make sense? So the three like super villains, I think they're all digital. Uh, super villains, super, number one, digital overload. Too much information, too little time. The amount of information is doubling at the same speeds, so how do you keep up with it all? So then I focus on accelerated learning, accelerated reading, right? And then you have digital, um, and these are real health concerns. Like you, the, the reason I do, I, I train the top two, the 200 officers at General Electric and the C-suite executives is because the, the biggest line item for your company is, is human capital. Right, and it's so underutilized, right? And if somebody's reading, processing information four or five hours a day, that means half their day is spent reading or processing, right? And so if I could just double someone's reading speed, meaning like literally help them to, to process it and understand it in half the time, you're saving like half their salary is being paid to read. That's insane, right? And so if I could double, if you read four hours a day and I could help you do it in two hours a day, What's two hours a day save over the course of a year? Sorry, that's a lot of math. Let's say I save you one hour a day. What's one hour a day over the course of a year? 365 hours, right? That's a pretty, that's a pretty big number. How many 40-hour work weeks is 365 hours? Eight. <laughs> no, no seven. seven. Nine times 40 is 360, right? So, so 360, like nine work weeks. Like one hour a day saves you two months of productivity. So I'm not, I'm not even talking about time management. I'm just talking about getting the time that you deserve back. And I don't even think like the average person reads about 200, 250 words per minute. 250, 200, 250 words per minute. Um, and now, like when we graduate, people, we have online programs in 180 countries, 25 years teaching this. Like we graduate people at 500, 600, 1,000 words plus a minute, right? Now read, not not, has anyone here taken a speed reading class before? Like traditional speed reading is more skimming, getting uh, uh, scanning, skipping words, getting the gist of what you read. Like I, I train like a lot of doctors, like you don't want your doctor to get the gist of what she reads. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and maybe because memory and understanding and all the other stuff I teach is so important, right? And so you don't, it's, it's, speed reading is not about reading War and Peace in five minutes and just knowing it's about Russia. Right, that, that's not, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, I think that's Woody Allen. Yeah, Woody Allen. But, but in terms of reading, there's ways of doing it better. Can I, we could at least admit that there are ways probably better than we learned when we were six years old. And a lot of what I teach is not so much teaching people about learning, it's just unlearning bad habits. The bad habits we picked up, even with our productivity and our beliefs, all the stuff that got imprinted on us that we just had no choice really in that, in that matter. But moving forward, we do once you, once you understand, like once you're conscious of those things. And so, um, so the first one, digital overload. Then the second one, digital distraction. That's the second supervillain, digital distraction. Because in a world full of you know, app notifications, social media alerts, and everything else like that, you know, one of those videos we put out like last month, it has four million views. It's just, every, you know, entrepreneurs, you have to raise your hand if you have a to-do list. Right? Everyone has this growing to-do list, and I, I just, <laughs> not, <laughs> but I really do believe that it, it, it might make sense to have a, a not-to-do list also. 
you know, these things that are just non-negotiable, you just will not do. And one of the you know, things you will not eat, the people you will not spend the time with, the, the, the kind of business you will not take on, the things that's opposite of ELF, you know, all, the, all these things. And for me, like one of the not to do behavior wise, the worst habit that, how many of you within the first hour of the day you touch your phone? Raise your hand. Everybody, right? And I'm telling you, just, just experiment with this and you're not, you're not gonna like it, but it's sometimes you have to do the hard stuff and life gets easier. Because everyone wants to do the easy thing, put things off and procrastinate. But if you do the easy things, life is hard. And we, we could agree with this, right? But if you do the hard things, life gets a lot easier, right? Because as they, you know, discipline and everything, because entrepreneurs, you value your freedom so much. So you want to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, for as long as you want, wherever, you know what I mean? But when you have to do this, like this whole idea where discipline actually equals freedom, right? Because if you can't get yourself to do the things you need to do, then, you, then you're stuck and you're in a prison. And so doing the difficult things could actually give you an easier life. Most people avoid those kind of, like the difficult conversations, right? Like when you know you should fire somebody and you don't, you don't, you don't, and what happens? You eventually what? You terminate that person always because you, you know certain things, right? Um, so you don't put those things off. But going back to your phone, the reason why I don't, I just experiment on this. It's not easy because there is an addiction, right? There's definitely this digital addiction to grabbing your phone because, you know, our friend, you know, Dr. BJ Fogg, uh, you know, it runs a research lab over at Stanford University for influence persuasion. You know, one of his students, you know, co-founded Instagram, right? So like, here's the thing, you wake up in the morning, you have these brainwave states, you know, delta, you're asleep, beta, you're awake, everyone here is in beta. In between, you have this al these alpha and theta states. The theta state is a state of uh, creativity, right? You notice like when you first wake up and you're, you're in and out, you're, you're very creative. You know what puts you in a creative state? Um, showers. How many people notice you come up with all these great ideas when you're in the shower, right? I took six showers this morning just to kind of prepare for it. <laughs> but when you're in this, and of course, it's, you can't write anything down unless you have like an aqua, you know, writer, stuff like that. But I'll talk, I'll, I'll talk about ways to kind of code that information really fast and fun. Even when, you, when you're driving, you can't write certain things down or you're in a kickboxing class. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it happens to all of us, but though that theta state is a state of creativity. In between theta and beta is a state called alpha. And that alpha state is the state of relaxed awareness. And this is the state that you could train, the, the best part about this, you could, once you are aware of these states, you could train these states because they're processes, right? So an alpha state is the state of relaxed awareness, and it's where your critical mind is set aside and you just absorb information. So you know what puts you in alpha state really well? Television. Have you ever been, have you been trying to talk to somebody who's really into the, whatever they're watching, sports or TV show, whatever, and they literally do not hear you, no. right? And they're in trance, right? Because of the programming, because of the programming, that, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> but they literally, they're in an alpha state and information's going in unfiltered and their critical mind's literally set aside. And, and so what I'm saying, you could train that alpha state to learn languages faster or facts or a TED talk, right? Or vocabulary faster. And so there's certain ways of getting, you know what puts you in alpha state? Um, a, a really good hypnotherapist, right? How many people have had success with hypnotherapy before? And what they do is they walk you through visualization, breathing exercises, right? Um, and then they sometimes have music, like some kind of nature sound or, um, or classical. You know what helps you go into a, a alpha state? Uh, Baroque music. Baroque, classical, like Vivaldi, um, Bach. Well, what happened, you know why? Because it's 60 beats per minute, 
and that's, that harmonizes with the resting heart. But going back to hypnotherapy, when they bring you through a visualization process, take you down an elevator or an escalator or a waterfall, or you're going through this journey, they, they put you into this relaxed awareness, and then they give you positive suggestions. That's how you change limiting beliefs and limiting identities, you know, where you say you're a non-smoker, right? Or, you, you, or positive things like you focus easily and effortlessly. You have a wonderful memory. You recall things and apply it right away. You're more likely because your critical mind is, your beta mind is set aside, and you're more likely to absorb it and accept it. And that's why hypnotherapy works really well by putting you in, but the science of it is puts you into that alpha state, right? And so- Does meditation put you in alpha? Meditation puts you into an alpha state also as well. And so the more time, and they say a lot of learning challenges has to do with um, children, for example, are spending too much or too little time in those theta alpha states. Like sometimes they just go, uh, delta sleep to wide awake and they're not getting that rejuvenation in between or maybe they're spending too much time in terms of creativity and so on all I'm saying is that these are this is how we work remember I talked about self-awareness being a superpower you understand your learning styles and your different intelligences and your left brain right brain whole brain the different brainwave states then then you have like this owner manual and then you could apply it towards the things that you want to apply it towards and so a digital distraction, when you wake up first thing in the morning, you're in this very relaxed, you know, impressionable state. And the first thing you're picking up is your phone. If you want to be productive, if you want to be a top elite mental performer, that's the wrong thing to do because you're rewiring your brain for the things you're struggling with now, which is number one, digital distraction, right? You're looking through every like, uh, share, comment, cat video, you know, dopamine floods, your, your motivation, your learning system. And that's what makes you, uh, just, you know, very distracted and very addicted to it, right? But the other reason you don't want to pick up your phone is besides the fact that it trains you and rewires your brain for distraction, and you wonder why you can't like read a page in a book or you need something on the background and you can't focus on the thing your to-dos or whatever it is, because you've trained yourself to do it. The second reason you don't pick up your phone is it trains you and rewires you to be reactive, which is almost as dangerous, meaning that how can you have a quality business, a quality life, family, everything you want to build, you know, with this vision that you have, reacting to everything that's on your phone first thing in the morning, right? Our friend uh, Brendan Burchard says, your inbox is nothing but a convenient organizational system for other people's agenda for your life. Right? Doesn't it feel that way? But if the first thing while you're in that impressionable, relaxed, meditative state is you pick up your phone and all of a sudden people texting you and voice messages and fire, fighting fires, how can you ever create an incredible day if you get screwed up that first hour? How many of you have ever gotten like a bad voice message first thing in the morning or a text message and it ruins your whole mood for the entire day? Because that's momentum, right? So there's negative momentum and then there's positive momentum. So like for me, I have three things I need to do. Everyone has a different process, right? Um, I, I write three things down the night before, three things I want to do professionally, three things personally. And those are my my first dominoes, right? Things that are gonna make a big difference for me. And then I don't touch my messages, I don't touch my phone until I get at least one of those things done. And that's my trigger, because a lot of actual habit formation, and uh, I, I, know, I know some of you, Joe included, has interviewed uh, BJ Fogg also. Uh, you know, we talked about, we did an episode on how to create new habits and also how to break habits which is just as important, right? But there's a different process because how you plant a tree is different how you take a tree out, right? But a lot of it has to do, he has a formula called B equals MAP. So this is the key to habit design, right? Behavior equals motivation, ability, and she used to call it trigger, 
but now he calls it prompt. So B equals mapped, right? Motivation, ability, and prompt. And now I'm not gonna go through the model here and you can listen to those two couple episodes on, on, our, on our show, but the prompt is the trigger. And this is the trigger that, this is all memory. This is why I love habits because it's all about memory. Like how do you get yourself to do all the things you need to do? It helps to have an external or an internal trigger that prompts it and reminds you to do it, right? Either one you create consciously or one, like for example, for a while I was living in New York City, I was living in a high rise, right? And I love, see this is my thing with technology. It's convenient, but it also could be crippling because the third supervillain, besides digital overload and digital distraction is digital dementia. And you're gonna hear this term a lot in healthcare, a lot. You know, I just, did, I just did a training recently at the Cleveland Clinic, the Center for Brain Health. And there is like the world headquarter for Alzheimer's research, dementia, uh, caregiving, you know, for anyone suffering, struggling. And I was training all their doctors, caregivers, patients, their community, their loved ones on prevention. And I would love to be able to share, you know, some of the, some of the keys. Because they, what we found is one third of your brain potential, your memory, for, for example, is predetermined by genetics and biology. Now, some people would say you have total control at the genetics and your mind is, you know, thoughts and things and biology and belief. But science is saying about one third is predetermined by your biology and genetics, two thirds is in your control. So I focus on 10 keys that are literally every single one of them will move the lever for maximizing, maximizing that two thirds. But going back to um, digital dementia, digital dementia is basically saying we're so dependent on technology that we're not, we're not able to do certain things cognitively. So it keeps your, and I'm, and I'm all for this, okay? So I wanna be very clear. I have, I have everything, I've been taking so many notes, it's, it's insane. All the software and the platforms, technology, everything that allows you to get leverage, you know, people, tools, processes, everything I, I utilize, right? So it's not about not embracing technology. I'm just saying to be able to have some kind of balance. So digital dementia is saying like, you know, it keeps your schedules, your, your, it does. I was out to dinner recently, there's 10 of us. At the end, the bill came. And then three people took out their phone to divide that bill by 10. <laughs> so just half of you laughing, the other half don't know why, but that's fine, that's fine. But we're super light, so dependent. <laughs> the, um, we've, we've become grown so dependent on it, like even phone numbers, right? How many phone numbers did you know growing up? How many phone numbers? All of them, literally, right? How many phone numbers do you know right now? Two. Two. Right, and here's the thing, here's the, here, and here's the truth. I don't want to, me I don't want to memorize 500, 2,500. No, nobody wants to do that, but we've lost the ability just to remember one. Is that fair? Yeah. So I'm just saying there has to be some kind of in-between because I'm, I believe our brain, yes, primarily, it, it's, a, it's a thinking tool, right? But it does store, right? And so people say all the time, why do I need to memorize all this stuff when I, I'm one search away from things? And I'll, I'll tell you what the answer is because you know this, because you are a memory expert. You have incredible memories as it is. On the opposite side, so for me, I just do, I always do this like inverse thinking. So I have, I have dyslexia and I have these challenges. I always just reverse everything. So I'm like, like is it important to remember things? Uh, some people like, if you could find it online and on your phone. Seth Godin says that. Right. If you, if you lost half of what you remember, if you literally forgot half of your expertise, half of the people you know, half of the words you know, how effective would you be in business? How effective would you be in life? Not at all, right? So memory plays some kind of part, right? And so my thing is, your, the quality of your life comes down to the quality of decisions you make every single day. Can we all at least admit that where we are right now are based on the decisions we've made up to this point, the sum total of that? 
you can only make a quality decision based on information you know. And if you know it, that presupposes you remember because you can't, you can't think or about something that you just don't understand or, or recall, right? Like I always thought it should have been the fourth R in school, right? Reading, writing, arithmetic, but what about retention? What about recall? What about remembering, right? Socrates said learning is remembering, but it's not a skill. And so digital dementia is saying we're so dependent on our, our technology, and then when it's not there, where are we, right? When your phone is not there or your phone has died or you don't need to go, like, you know, Dr. Daniel Amen, who's a common friend with, with a number of us, he was talking about GPS the other day, saying if you're so, they're not getting early detection of dementia because people who are so dependent on GPS for a device to tell you when and where to turn, they're not realizing when they would normally have memory lapses, so they're not going to the doctors to get checked out for those issues, right? And so all I'm saying is I, I love technology, I love it, it's very, it makes life convenient, you just don't want it to cripple you, right? And my thing with not touching your phone first thing in the morning, being dependent on it and addicted to it, is you're training your brain to be distracted and also reactive. And then, see, see technology for me is, I love your paradigm and your principles based on this, is because it's a tool, right? It's, it's meant to be, to magnify, you know, what you're doing, just like money does or any, anything else. It's a tool, it's a resource. But if you're, if you're picking up your phone when you're bored out of habit and everything else like that, and it's using you, then, then who's the tool? <laughs> the, I don't use that. That's good. Uh, yeah, Are you yeah. recording this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that, that, that digital uh, addiction, and here, here's the thing, it, it's really, it's, it is difficult. Like, like Joe's going, going through it, and I really do believe where we are entrepreneurs, oh my goodness, like the conversations we've had, you know, about, about like we were all driven for, for all these different reasons and addicted to, you know, this, this cult of busyness and how we had around identity and being self-important. And I honestly, like, I honestly, when people are so busy because they're important, I just feel like they're just not working very smart. You know, and so I actually don't see it as a step up. I actually, because I don't want to be that because I'll just design my whole life around being busy all the time, unconsciously. And so going back to reading, do I, you know, should people read if they're not good, you know, enjoy it? Then I'm saying I would test it. You know, we, we, we teach a 20, we, we did four episodes in our podcast on how to read faster. You know, it's a great starting point. We have a free webinar that teaches people to read 50% faster. You can just Google it and find it. Um, and then just to see, and then, but if you get better at it, I think you're gonna do it more often. And I, and I also think it's one of the best exercises you could have. Now, the other thing is like, you could process and reading, the other reason why reading is such an important skill and leaders are readers, Bill Gates and, you know, reads all the, his Gates notes are, are so popular on Oprah and Tony Robbins and Brendan Bouchard reads a book a week. And you hear this, this stuff all the time um, is because leaders are readers, but also it's, it's great exercise in, for your mind. And it trains you to have two things. It trains you to be a faster thinker and it trains you to have better focus. If you want to know, like, if you're so distracted with the, you know, like the tweets, everything's going back really fast. You have the, the attention span of a goldfish, which, you know, less, less than a goldfish, eight seconds, or whatever people buy into. It's just because we're not training it. But, you know, like when Cal Newport's, you know, deep work, you know, like you could train like mental capacity. You could train your focus because it's like a muscle. But most of us are training it the opposite way by getting all these quick fixes. And so we can't sit down for 20 minutes. We can't even do the Pomodoro technique for 25 minutes, you know, like in terms of like focused, concentrated work, because our attention just doesn't actually go somewhere. But you, that's fixable, right? And I think, for example, reading, and here's the thing, Jim's, uh, people say, reading's the worst for me because reading is where I have the worst focus. Let me, let me dispel this myth right now. If, if a lot of people believe, if I ask you to read faster, what's gonna to happen to your understanding of what you read? 
Yeah. It's going to go down, right? You all feel that. And it's wrong. Like we've been, I've been doing this for 25 years. I have data from 180 countries. We find the fastest readers have some of the best comprehension. Now, why is that? It's because they have the best focus, right? Your, your brain is this incredible supercomputer. We've all heard it, right? I don't think it's an accurate metaphor, but it's kind of true. It's this incredible, powerful device. And we could at least admit that we're not utilizing it to, to its potential, right? The, you use what percentage of our, our, our brain's potential? What, what percent? Einstein said 10%. I, I read recently, uh, Stanford University later said 2%. Um, I read recently one ten thousandth of 1%. It keeps on going down. I don't know if the 70s had something to do with it. <laughs> but the truth is we use all of our brain. That, that's what the science says. We use all of our brain, but some people use it more efficiently than others. So they don't have to use as much energy and resources to get the same kind of result, if not better. For me to be able to memorize names or to be able to read a book a week or five books a week or whatever I do, it takes a lot less energy than somebody who's not trained. That makes sense, right? If you look at an athlete, they have to exert a lot less energy to get the same kind of physical results as somebody who's out of shape, right? Because I believe in mental intelligence and you're all paid for your mental intelligence, right? Facts, figures, everything that you know about your business. I also equally believe, if not more importantly, the mental intelligence is mental fitness, right? I like to get people like, they tone up the hardware so that you start remembering names, they remember that conversation they had or they're talking whatever it is because they're just fitter, right? I, I Recently, I went into the office, I, got, I picked up the phone and this woman says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm like, whoa, who's this? And she said, I found it. And I'm like, whoa, what, what'd you find? Have you ever hid something so well? Like, <laughs> such a clever, like, hiding place. Or you come up with a password that's so clever and you're always going to think you're always going to remember it, but you don't, right? She was given a family heirloom, a necklace from her, from her grandmother. It was given not to her mom, not to her three sisters. It was given to her. And she hid it in the house. And she lost it. She forgot where she put it. And for three years, she thought it was stolen and created all this grief. And she was given all this you know, stuff from her family and, and just she felt so much guilt. After going through our online program on memory, she woke up at two o'clock in the morning, ran down two flights of stairs, went into basement, behind the boiler, pulled out what? The necklace. And I was like, you know, in our program, we trained you on how to find lost items that you hid, you know, all those years ago. He said, Jim, I don't know what it is, but I'm remembering names. I picked up a second language. Like, I'm, I remember these dance steps. I'm not even using sometimes techniques. He said, thank you for being, she said this, she said, thank you for giving me my brain back, right? And so I want people to have fitter brains because that, that's, that's the world we live in because it controls what? Everything, right. everything, right? And so, so my thing is with reading, the reason why faster readers have better comprehension is because you have this supercomputer brain, but when you read, you feed this supercomputer, this is how silly as a six-year-old, you feed it one word at uh, all right. Time. And, and it's so aggravating. You know, if I was talking like that, right, you feel it, right? And I'm from New York, so I can't even talk that slow. But if I was to talk that slow during this conversation, how long would this conversation be, right? And what would your mind naturally start to do? Tell me. Drift off. It would drift off. It would wander. What else? You think of other things. What else? If I talk that slow. I wouldn't learn anything. You wouldn't learn anything? What else? We'd pick up our phone. Yeah, you pick up your phone, you'd fall asleep. How many people would start falling asleep, yeah. right? If you had to listen to it? Tell me those six or seven things you just said. Tell me those aren't the same exact things that happen when you read. You wander, you pick up your phone, you get distracted, 
you start falling asleep, right? How many people here use reading as a sedative? You're guilty of this, right? Okay. You have a token book right by your bed. <laughs> but here's the key to a long-term memory. This is, this is a key to a long-term memory. Information, you don't remember information. You just don't. You won't. But information alone is not memorable. Information, do this. Information, say this. Information. 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 Combined with emotion. Combined with emotion. Becomes a long-term memory. Okay, do this, right? Information. Information. Combined with emotion. Combined with emotion. Becomes a long-term memory. And you know this because everybody here remembers where you were for 9-11, right? Because information alone is not memorable, but information tied with emotion, good or bad, is memorable. You know this because how many of you could listen to a song and it could take you back to your teenage years? How many of you could, a smell or a food that could take you back to when you're a child? Because information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. Now, here's the thing, now because you're an expert. I, I really don't think the expert's always the one on the podcast or on the stage. I really think you are the expert and you should model you. That all knowledge is self-knowledge. I think self-coaching is, is really where it's at because you know more than enough. And you're successful. You, you remember names. So just coach yourself and find out. Genius leaves clues. Yeah, why but, am but I don't remembering... coach yourself if you're right. in our coaching program. <laughs> but why am I, ask yourself, why am I remembering these names and not these names? There's a method. There are principles that are there, that are, they exist. But here's the, here's the thing. Going back to, uh, to school, the information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. What's the primary emotion you felt back in school? Describe it in one word. Like, how did you feel? Fear. Frustration. Fear. Boredom. Boredom. Right, right. Like, half the room is bored, the other half the room is confused, right? <laughs> but boredom. Let's take boredom. On a scale of zero to ten, what's boredom? Zero, right? Information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. If the emotion is zero, what's anything times zero? zero? And you wonder why you don't remember the periodic table. Like, all this stuff and data that we picked up. So because it's, it's not memorable because it doesn't touch us here, right? Emotion is where it's at because even when it comes to, to sales, right? People don't buy logically, they buy what? Emotionally. Emotionally, right? And so that, that gets to the emotion of that memory. When I'm talking about like success, success formula, I'm talking about H cubed, head, heart, hands. If you want to achieve anything in your life, H cubed. So you could, you could visualize things in your head all day. You could set goals and KPIs in your head all day, right? But how many of you ever set these goals and don't act on it with your hands? How many? Right? What's missing? What's the second H? Heart, right? What's the heart? Emotions, right? So tap in. That's why, you know, you know, you know what to, you know to improve your memory with names right away? <laughs> Ask yourself, why do I want to remember the person's name? Like, how many, raise your hand if you have trouble remembering people's names. Raise your hand. Let's say Ari has a suitcase here of $1 million cash for you tax-free. You go home with it. If you just remember the name of the, of the stranger you don't know in this room, raise your hand if you remember that person's name for a million dollars cash. Right? How come those same people are all memory experts? Does it have anything to do with your capability? Isn't that phenomena? Isn't that the ability of uh, 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 forgetting people's names? Isn't that what it's called? Forget, yes, it, it, it is. So here's the thing. Motivation is key, right? And so ask why. Even when you're doing sales, all it is is education process driven by questions, right? Because you want them to come up with the answer so it's real, not coming from outside of them. Same thing with you. Ask yourself, why do I want to remember this person's name? Maybe it's to show the person respect. Maybe it's to make a new friend. Maybe it's to make a sale. Maybe it's to practice these things that, you know, that I learned from this conversation. Because reasons reap results in your life. If you're not learning something faster, 
tap into the, you know, start with why, Simon Sinek, right? Why, why do you want to remember the person's name? Because you can't come up with one reason what's gonna happen, right? Another key really is this. You know what another key is? Put your, put your pen down, just shake out your arm, arm like this. Just shake it out, do this, everyone do this, everybody. We won't stop until everyone does this. <laughs> That's a good one too. All right, make a fist, put it to your chin. Now come on, where's your chin? No. <laughs> you, know, you know what, a lot of people, you blame your retention when it comes to your memory. It's not your retention, it's your attention. Is that fair? Yeah. Like we live in the attention economy, which it is our most precious resource we have because it's your time. It's the one thing you can't get back, right? And so my thing is a lot of people aren't forgetting a name, they're not hearing a name. A lot of people aren't forgetting what they read, they're not paying attention to what they read, right? Um, the, 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 the one anecdote I'll, I'll share with you is when it comes to, to, to this, and I'll go back to speed reading and I'll close with it, is um, President Bill Clinton, and I, and I know Joe, you, you spent time with him as well, um, and maybe other people. He's got, he's got this powerful presence, right? He's got, regardless of your political ideology, how many people would believe he's, he has, he's charismatic? He's a great connector. He's a great communicator. He's got an incredible memory also as well. And I believe that his incredible memory and his powerful presence comes from being powerfully present. If you have an opportunity to meet him, like when you're talking to him, he's not looking over your shoulder and seeing who's more important in the room, right? But we do that unconsciously. So we're training our attention to be elsewhere. You could tell he's also, a lot of people you think you're listening, you're not listening. You're waiting for your turn to talk, if we're honest. Or you're thinking about how you're going to respond, if we're honest. Right? And so you're not forgetting a person's name or that conversation. You're just not hearing it to begin with because you're doing this, not this. Right? And so all I'm saying is powerful presence, like when I'm talking about motivation and observation, like, and who's, who's this available to? Everybody. I'm not even talking about tactics, so it's mom, right? Motivation, observation, mechanics. And I'm not even talking about the mechanics is what we do in our programs, right? You know, for entrepreneurs and corporate and, and, and academic success and our podcasts. I'm talking about the psychology because 80% of it is, is psychology, right? Motivation is caring about somebody, right? Because how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their business, their future, their family, their, their health, their finances, whatever you're selling them, if you don't care enough just to remember their name, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Maya Angelou said that people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did. They'll always remember how you made them feel. It's always going back to this, right? But how are you making people feel when you forgot your name four times, right? Not, not that important. So that's motivation, so that's caring. And then the O is observation, which is just paying attention, being present for somebody, right? So I'm saying the art of memory is the art of caring and the art of being present with somebody, right? And that's just being a good human being, right? Because nothing sells, going back to sales, nothing sells like sincerity caring about somebody and being really with them because that's all people want. They want to be seen, they want to be heard, and that, that's what they're that, that's what buying into. And then the mechanics are great. Here's how to give us, here's how Jim trains the, the actors and the TED speakers how to memorize their speech and facts and formulas, foreign language, all the things that you want to be able to remember. But I'm just saying the psychology is really where it's at. So if you don't care to remember stuff, the techniques are, are going to have kind of, kind of low brow, right? In terms of its effectiveness out there. I want to do this for like hours. I, well, so, um, we, we're almost, we're kind of, we're time here, but uh, you did mention the thing about coding, mm -hmm. how you can code information when you're driving or like All right, that, so, so real, real fast. All right, so I'll end with this. Um, so I teach software, right? Basically, I teach you scripts on how, and programs on how to learn all this stuff, how to have better focus, how to do all these things, step by step. 
take it from a noun, turn it into a process. So that's all the mechanical stuff that you could, you go to literally kwikbrain.com, you get them all for free, all right? There's no, there's no advertising, there's no nothing on there, right? Which maybe is, I should be doing that, but I'm not. Um, because my thing is with the boy with the broken brain, I, I just want to build better, brighter brains. Because who knows, someone listening to that show is from some, you know, a child in some village in a third world country, and they become the next Malala, or the next, like, Elon Musk, right? And they really, they, could, they tap into this collective intelligence that we have. And so my thing is no brain left behind. And so that, if anyone could share that, that, that's really wonderful. Now, going back to the mechanics of it, is I work on the software, but the hardware is just as important. So remember I said there are 10 keys. So, so if you want to remember what you need to do, these are just facts and ideas and to-do lists. I'll show you a really cool technique. Now, in terms of what we've memorized it for, um, I'll give you, actually, I'll do two in one. I'll teach you the 10 keys to unlock what I call your quick brain. And I'll show you a quick tip on how to memorize it literally in a minute. Okay, is that fair? So I need you really paying attention because I know you're thinking about food. Sit the way you'd be sitting if you're really interested and paying attention. Now, why do you even have to move? <laughs> but, notice, but notice that you know your physiology affects your psychology. That if you want to get more engaged and more active, you change the way you sit, the way you breathe and everything. And you could do that at what time? Anytime. So you could have been doing this the whole time and got more access to it, all right? So you don't need an outside coach to remind you to do that, right? But just remind yourself to be able to do that. So here, here's the thing. There are 10 keys for unlocking what I call your quick brain. I'm gonna give you those 10. You can write them down if you want to, but what I really want you to do is rate yourself zero to 10 on how well you're doing in that area. Is that fair? Because everybody wants to know the one thing, but really it comes back to what Joe's saying. There's not just one thing. There's no magic pill. There's no silver bullet. There, there is not a magic pill, but there's a magic process. And you need to do all these different things. So I'm gonna list 10 things. Nobody here is gonna disagree with any of them because they're, they're not only researched the heck out of it, but it's common sense. But I, as your coach, or your, your brain coach, if you will, because people have a voice coach, a marketing coach, a business coach, a, a financial coach, a, you know, a personal trainer and everything else like that, as a mentor, I'm gonna call you on your stuff, all right? So here are the 10 keys for unlocking your quick brain. Um, now, what, rate yourself zero to 10 on how well you're doing on this, because you could just fix one of them, and all of a sudden, there you go. You have your mental acuity back, you have your focus back, you have your decision-making, your problem solving. Number one is good brain diet. All right? There's certain foods that are really good for your brain. They're genius foods, right? Avocado, uh, blueberries, I call them brain berries. Uh, broccoli, very good for your brain. Coconut oil, good for your brain. Um, despite you know, research, but our friends JJ Virgin and, and, uh, and Dave Asprey, and our, you know, people share these different research. Coconut oil, um, eggs, if it allows it in your diet, uh, it's good for your brain. Uh, green, dark, leafy vegetables, very good for your brain. Salmon, very good for your brain. Sardines, wild caught, obviously everything's coming organic and fresh and everything. Uh, yeah, very important, the omega-3s. Um, turmeric, very good for your brain. I make like an almond, like, uh, like almond milk turmeric, put a little pepper, it increases uh, the absorption 500%, lowers inflammation in your body. Uh, walnuts, very almonds, very good for your brain. Notice a walnut looks like a what? Brain. A brain, right? There's some, some things in nature look like, there's a signature, right? A sign, a signature, sign of nature. So certain foods like, like, like um, cauliflower? Cauliflower, Celer which is good. Celery is good for erectile dysfunction. Good, to, good to know. So you, you heard it here. <laughs> less, is that black? Le less, it looks, less it looks like. But like, but literally, like you cut, you cut carrot. You look at it. It looks like an eye, right? Carrots are good for the eyes. You, you cut a tomato, and you see the four chambers of the heart, and, and so on, right? I'm not saying it's an exact science, but these are. I use them more as like honestly memory aids, right? Because it helps me remember. Because I work a lot of like in nutritionists and stuff like that. Um, and then finally, number 10 uh, is uh, dark chocolate, right? Where it's really good for your mood. Generally, good things are good for your mood, it's good for your mind. 
But I mean, there's so many great foods, but what you eat matters, especially for your gray matter, right? What, what you eat matters, especially for your gray matter. So good brain foods. Number two, killing ants. This is a term um, uh, coined by Dr. Daniel Amen, automatic negative thoughts, kill those ants. Because your self-talk is self-fulfilling. I remember I was running a marathon, I was preparing, I was reading one chapter of books, like psychology of running a marathon. It said this, word for word, because I'm, I'm a memory expert. Um, it said your brain is like a supercomputer and your self-talk is a program it will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. And again, there's a difference between a dabbler and a master, or somebody's going for masteries. Because some people, this is where you rob yourself, is where you say, oh, Jim, I heard you say that on YouTube. I heard you say that at this event or whatever it is, but the person you hurt, I really do not believe knowledge is power. I think it's the potential to be power, but it only becomes power when you what? Use it. Use it. And it's only, I don't feel like you understand something unless you could do it, right? And so the person that's always saying, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that, is probably the person that's not doing the fundamentals, the basics, right? Because you know that, you know, Arkham's level, like there's, there's these focal points that you could turn and you get high, high return, right? Um, so, so maximum leverage here, lower the negative self-talk, eliminate that. And there's methods for doing that also as well. When we're talking about self-hypnosis, EFT, there are all kinds of things that you could do to get rid of limiting beliefs and stuff around that. But your self-talk is important because your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. And if you come to me afterwards saying, Jim, I'm so old, or, or oh, I have a horrible memory, I'm not smart enough, whatever it is, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you argue for your limits, they're yours, all right? So you've got to stop saying these things. Number three key for unlocking your, your quick brain, exercise. This is, I don't even have to talk about this, right? Across the board, people who move more, the primary reason you have a brain is to control your brain. And there's a brain-body connection, but there's also a body-brain connection. That as your body moves, your brain grooves. Anything good for your heart, it's gonna be good for your head, right? So circulation, blood flow, brings oxygen to your brain. You'll do better on mental acuity, focus, uh, cognitive thinking, memory, when you're exercising, all right? So always always be moving, but we live in a very sedentary lifestyle, you know, whatever, sitting is a new smoking, you have all these different, different terms, but you gotta play more, right? You gotta play. People say all the time, like, oh, you know, you know, I, 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 I um, you know, I, I'm growing, yeah, I stopped playing because, you know, I just got older, right? But it's the opposite, right? It's not that, it's not you stopped playing because you were older, you grew older because you stopped playing. Right, and your body needs to be able to move. I'm very concerned with kids growing up just on the phones. They're taking away seesaws, they're taking away swings, all the stuff that we grew up with. And that movement is so important for brain development, right? But it doesn't stop when you're a kid. You have to keep on moving. Number four, brain nutrients, right? So best thing to do is go to a functional medicine doctor and get a blood test, right? Like uh, full spectrum, hormones, food sensitivity, find out the best foods, green, yellow, red, find out the deficiencies you have in nutrients, um, and supplement, right? People talk about nootropics. Number one, brain supplements, DHA. You know, and we, we, we know this. You, know, you, tag, you ask you know, the, all the biohackers, you know, Dr. Daniel Amen, uh, Mark Hyman, Dave Asby, they'll say DHA, number one, right? Get DHEA this. or DHA? DHA, DHA, your omega-3s. And so, um, so that's, that's um, uh, brain nutrients, number four. Number five, now I'm gonna teach you how to memorize this as if you were in a kickboxing class and how to be able to do that, or memorize your choreography or moves and stuff like that. Um, number five is positive peer group, right? That affects your brain 
a huge, probably the biggest effect on your brain. That's why communities like this and Genius Network are so important because who you spend time with is who you become, right? We've, we've heard these things so often, we've grown numb to it. We are the five, we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with, but like cliches, there are truth there. And one of the reasons why is we have these mirror neurons. Mirror neurons is what, it's your imitation neurons. You know, you ever watch a movie and you can feel, or a sports thing, you can feel what they're feeling and you feel the emotions? It's because you, you can identify, your mirror neurons are all lit up, right? But your mirror neurons are always learning from the people around you. That's why you start adopting their beliefs, their habits, and their values. And that's why you become who you spend time with, right? So there's a neuroscience to that also as well. So positive peer group is so important because so many people spend time with people that are detracting them and not who they want to be, whatever. So that's number five. Number six, clean environment. Six key for unlocking your quick brain is a clean environment. Because you know this, when you clean your external world, world what happens to your internal world? You have clarity, right? That's, I mean, all, everything, all the external uh, uh, brains that we have and memory devices. You know, when you clean, simple thing, when you clean your laptop, desktop, you just feel like clarity of thought, right? And I don't just mean clean environment there. I mean like clean air, clean water, sunlight, all the environmental stuff, right? These natural forces, which play a huge, huge role. That's number six. Number seven, sleep, right? Joe just talked about this, right? You could do all of this. That's why I'm saying rate yourself zero to 10. You could do all of this and get crappy sleep. And what's going to happen to your cognitive ability, your focus, your ability to think, your energy and everything else like that. So you want to be able to maximize your, your, your sleep. Um, I'll, I'll give you a few reasons for cognitively. Um, number one, just because everyone knows sleep is good for you. Number one, it's where you sh consolidate short to long-term memory. Does that make sense? Like you don't, when, when do you build a muscle? When do you build a muscle? When you rest. After the gym. Yeah, not when you work out, when you rest, right? That's when you, when you build, when you work out, you tear down a muscle. When you rest, you build it, right? Same thing with your, your memory, right? So short to long-term memory. The reason why you sleep also is because that's where you clean out plaque in your brain that could lead to Alzheimer's and dementia, according to the latest research. And number three, the reason why you, you sleep is because you get more REM sleep and REM, you, you, you dream. And it's so important for entrepreneurs to dream. I'm not saying, have a, a big vision for your life and that kind of dream. I'm talking about the dreams you have at night because here's why. When you're learning all day today, when you go to sleep, your brain doesn't shut off. If anything, if you're hooked up to you know, some, some brain tracking device, you, your brain is actually more active when you sleep, all right? But as an entrepreneur too, even if you're not learning, you're just coming up with problems, you know, solving problems you can't come up with, but when you sleep, you come up with real solutions. The problem is when you wake up, you know, with all these amazing dreams, you forget your dreams. Number one, uh, one of the big podcast episodes that no one thought it was kind of a sleeper, that's good too, um, is how to remember your dreams. I teach you six ways on how to remember your dreams. You can search that on, on YouTube or watch it on, on, the, on, on the, because here's why, cultural examples. Did you know Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dream? Do you know like um, Paul McCartney came up with the song yesterday in his dream? Uh, Elias Howe created a sewing machine in his dream. The periodic table came to a chemist in his dream. What are you dreaming about as entrepreneurs? You know, you know, what are you solving at night you know, for your personal life or your business that you're dreaming about, but then you forget your dreams in the morning, right? So that's why my morning routine, which is the number one downloaded episode, because I believe first you create your habits and then your habits create you. I do 10 things every morning to jumpstart my brain. So it's a little bit different than Tony's or Tim's or other people's. Like mine are specifically cognitive. What are 10 simple things you could do every morning to be able to jumpstart your brain so you could win the morning and win the whole, the whole day? But the first thing I do is remember my dreams. Right, um, and then so 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 sleep is important for that. Then finally, eight, nine, ten. Eight thing for unlocking your quick brain is uh, brain protection. 
And that's obvious, right? You know, I've had traumatic brain injuries, wear a helmet, avoid extreme sports. And I don't just mean that, I mean EMFs. I just did a whole episode with, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Joe Mercola. And, but this is a growing concern with technology. And this is my challenge with technology. It's just, we don't know what effect it's having on your nervous system, right? In the EMFs, the electromagnetic fields, there's like a trillions and trillions of times more than there were a hundred years ago. And so what effect is that having on our brain? And I just read recently that over 90% of kids are sleeping with their phones underneath their pillows. Like what, what's that doing in terms of like our nervous system? So when I say protect your brain as number eight, yes, wear a helmet, but also avoid you know, certain, certain things. And then finally, nine and 10, in order to have a quick brain, nine is new learners. You, this, 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 I'd be preaching to the choir, but the key understanding in neuroscience, the thing that people are most excited about is neurogenesis, neuroplasticity. Right, neurogenesis means genesis, birth, neuro, brain. You create new brain cells the day you die, right? And neuroplasticity is saying your brain is like plastic, that you can create new connections. That Einstein's brain wasn't bigger than anybody else's brain. It was actually smaller than the average brain, but there's certain parts of his brain that are extremely well connected, right? If you, if you slice it up and look at it, because he would do these thought experiments all the time, right? So we teach people how to replicate those thought experiments to solve problems and, and build businesses and stuff. But there was high dense areas that, that had that. Neurogenesis, neuroplasticity have more of it, requires two things, only two things, novelty and nutrition. Just like building a muscle, your physical muscles, you have to give it novelty, you have to work it out, and then you have to feed that muscle with nutrition. Same thing with your brain, so new learnings. There's this study done with um, longevity study. I just came back from uh, speaking in Sardinia, uh, which is one of the blue zones, some of you know yeah. the, the most uh, centurions and stuff. Um, there's this study I've done on, on, it was on the cover of Time Magazine, these women, these group of nuns living 80, 90 and above. They want to find out where does that longevity come from. Half of it had to do with their gratitude, their emotional faith and such. But the other half, I'm oversimplifying, but the other half, they were lifelong learners, right? They were in deep conversations, reading all the time, doing all these things, and it added years to their life, but not only years to their life, life to their years. Because who wants to just grow older? You want to grow, you want to be strong, right? You want to have that vibrancy. That's number nine, new learning. So finally, number 10, stress management. All right, this is the one that I'm putting out there because it's, it's the one that's invisible to most people. You don't realize how much stress you're under because it's there all the time. If you're like that fish in the bowl, you don't see the water because you're in it all the time. It's not until you, um, you take days off that you go into like, you know, on a vacation, you go on a digital fast, that you realize how much stress you were under because you don't even know what normal is because you've been in this environment all the time. But why is it bad for your brain? Chronic stress, it literally deteriorates your brain. All right, and also loneliness. This is a big thing, Talk, talking about you know, the psychology of it. Loneliness or feeling disconnected from people. Um, I saw I read research just uh, last week saying it increases dementia uh, 65%. Just feelings of loneliness and not feeling connected. But that kind of chronic stress, you create adrenaline, cortisol long-term. It's good for fight or flight. It's not good if you need to study. It's not good if you need to take a test. It's not good if you need to give a 10-minute uh, talk at Joe's conference, which I really would love to do sometime. Um, I don't know how you could do it in 10 minutes. Yeah, so I'll make it real quick. So, the, so stress, man stress management, though, um, is like what, what kind of coping mechanisms do you have to be able to lower your stress, right, that, that you have built in and so be able to do that. So anyway, those are 10 keys. Now, let's say you have to give a TED Talk on it. You need to memorize those 10 things. You don't want to memorize them verbatim. You know, I did two episodes on how I trained, like 15 different techniques to train actors how to remember things verbatim, like poetry or you know, lines and stuff like that. You can listen to those. But most times when you need to give a talk, you don't need to give it word for word. You don't want it sound rehearsed. You just want to need to know what order you need to give it, right? Because the problem is, is if you're halfway through your talk and you go to answer a question, you come back and you're like, oh, where, where was I? 
right? And so here's, here's, the, here's, here's the technique, really quick. I'll end with this. 2,500 years ago, this is attributed to Simonides, and uh, this is urban legend, but um, the, the story I think will make more memorable. He's a poet, and he's giving a poetry reading. And when he's done, he leaves the building, something really tragic happens, the building collapsed and killed everyone there. And he was a lone survivor, and being the only lone survivor, he had the responsibility of helping family members identify their loved ones. Now, back then, it wasn't made out of wood and cheat rock. What was the building made out of 2,500 years ago in Greece? Stones. Yeah, stone, right? So it was unidentified. You couldn't identify um, the people. So he was able to do it, though, because he remembered where they were all sitting. And can't you do that, too? Because here's the thing. Can't you remember like who is to your left and to your right even later on today? Because we store information in space. Right? There's this three-step memory process. We encode it, we store it, and we retrieve it. But we store information in places. That's why having an external brain is so important, right? Because we store things naturally outside of us. Because think about it, why? As a hunter-gatherer, like through everything, when you just come back to it, everything has to do with survival and, and replication, reproduction, right? So as a as survival mechanism, we need to remember where things are because that's how we live. Like, where's the clean water? Where's the enemy tribe? Where's the, where's the food, right? That's our survival. So we store information in places around us unconsciously all the time. And I can prove it to you. When you forget someone's name, what's the first question? You, you're out and about, you're at the gym, whatever. Somebody, you see, oh, they tap you on the shoulder, you turn around, you're like, recognize this person, they're talking to you. Where do I know And you don't, you don't know who this person is. What makes it worse is when that person has the audacity to remember your name, right? <laughs> and then, but what's the question you ask yourself? Where do I know them where, from? Where do I know them from? Right? Because the context gives you the content. Right? Information is always talking about content is king. If content is king, context is the kingdom, right? Because the space, the framework, right? And so my thing is like the place we store information, because once you know the place, the information, you know all the information. So why not use that, right? So what you're going to do is you're going to take places in your home, in your office, on your body, wherever it is, and designate. That's the first place. So the the microwave's the first place, and you just go clockwise, right? The microwave's the first place, stovetop's the second place, refrigerator's the third place, the dishwasher's the fourth place, the dishwasher, the, the, the sink is the fifth place. Go to the next room, fireplace is the sixth place, cat stand is the seventh, you know, seventh place, whatever. Uh, bookshelf is the eighth place, so on. Now, once you have these places, you take the first thing you need to remember, put it in the first place. The second tip that you want to remember, the idea that in the kickboxing class, in the second place, because you have these places predetermined, right? And so put the first thing in the first place, second thing. By the way, have you ever found yourself saying in the first place this, in the second place that, in the third place that? That's where it came from. If before we had tablets and external memory devices and printing presses, we had incredible internal mem memory devices, right? And so people would store this information in places. And that's where the language in first place, second place, third place came from. So here's the thing. I'm gonna go through the 10 places, the 10 keys, and I'm gonna give you 10 places. Now, instead of doing your home and your living room and stuff like that, I'm just gonna take you through my office. We all have one shared place. You guys ready? Are you ready? Yes. All right, close your eyes. And we're gonna end with this. This is the exercise. I want you to take a deep breath, exhale, just relax. I, um, I have an office in Westchester, New York, home of the X-Men. Um, I was found as a mutant. And at the age of nine, when I taught myself how to read comic books, I found out the X-Men headquarters was in Westchester. Every weekend, I would ride my bicycle looking for this school, um, whereas the, because I wanted to run away and find my superpowers and find my super friends. Uh, you land in Westchester Airport, and the car picks you up, and uh, you're in the back seat. You go to, it's the suburbs of New York City, um, lots of homes and uh, trees, 
you go to my office, and in the first place is the parking lot. So I want you to say it out loud what the first place is. What's the first place? Parking lot. Uh, you get out of the parking lot, and the brain tip is good brain diet. So I want you to imagine, <laughs> bless you, when you get out of the parking lot, that there's a good brain diet buffet waiting for you. I want you to imagine the avocados, the wild salmon, the blueberries, I call them brain berries, the, the dark chocolate, it's all there, and you create this big food fight, right? Big food fight. And when you're doing that, you're just like, it would never happen. If you can't imagine it, monitor your self-talk. If you can't imagine it, imagine you can imagine it. And then you're there and you remember that. And from there, there's a waterfall. It circles, um, creates a moat around the building. So you have to cross a bridge. The second place is the bridge. What's the second place? Bridge. 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 And as you're crossing the bridge, the second brain tip, killing ants. So I want you to imagine you're killing automatic negative thoughts. You're just stepping on ants. You would never do that. It makes you, might make you feel some way. That's why you remember it. Information combined with emotion becomes long-term memory. Killing ants. From there, you go into the building. The third place is the elevator. What's the third place? Elevator. elevator. And when you're in there, I want you to imagine you're exercising. Mind you, a quick brain exercise, exercise. So I want you to do your favorite exercise with your personal trainer there. So you're doing your burpees. Your burpees, <laughs> you're doing your yoga, you're there with Tony Horton doing P90X, whatever you're doing, you're in that elevator. Exercise, but feel it. You can't just say, oh, that's a good idea. See and feel yourself in it. You gotta see it, feel it, and hear it. Those are the three learning styles, right? From there, you leave the elevator, you go into the fourth place, which is the hallway. What's the fourth place? Say it out loud. Hallway. And there are all these brain vitamins, bottles of brain vitamins coming down the hallway and tripping you up. You're like your omega-3s, your ginkgo biloba, your B vitamins all your nootropics, they're all coming and you're jumping over them like your Donkey Kong or your uh, Indiana Jones or your Laura Croft, you're jumping over the brain vitamins. See and feel it. And if you're thinking, That's, this is so silly, this is so childish, who are the fastest learners on the planet? Children. How fast, how fast can they learn a musical instrument as a kid? How fast can they learn another language, right? Children, playful, good. From there, you go to the fifth place, you open a door to my office, immediately to the left is a fifth place, which is the closet. What's number five? Closet. You open the closet, the fifth brain tip are your positive peer groups. All your happy friends are in the closet. <laughs> all your happy friends, they're in the closet. So just imagine what they're doing, they're all in the closet, happy friends. See it, feel it, hear it. And then from there, you go to the sixth place, halfway there, sixth place is the receptionist. What's the sixth place? Receptionist. You want to remember a clean environment. So I want you to imagine the receptionist is cleaning the environment. Vacuuming, mopping, clean environment. Everything has a place. Because your external world is a reflection of your internal world. Cleaning, but obsessively cleaning. Behind the receptionist is the seventh place, which is the fish tank. What's the seventh place? Fish, fish, tank. fish tank. And you want to remember sleep. So I want you to imagine in, the, in there, you have Nemo, Dory, and they're sleeping. They're wearing their pajamas, exaggerated. They're wearing their pajamas, they're snoring, they're in their bunk beds, they're sleeping. What are they doing? Sleeping. sleeping. From there, you walk over, you're taking, let's say, a speed reading class. You're going to the door to the classroom, it's a door. So you get to the door, what's the eighth place? Door. 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 And the door is locked. And you want to remember brain protection for your, uh, your brain. So you put on a helmet to remind you of brain protection and you headbutt the door open, it splinters everywhere and you get in. But that, that helmet is what reminds you of brain protection. 
Now you're inside the classroom, ninth place is right up front, is the whiteboard. What's the ninth place? Whiteboard. whiteboard. And I, I'm there and I'm writing the words new learnings to remind you of new learnings, good for your brain, in your favorite color marker. Yell out loud, what, what, what's your favorite color? Say it out loud. Orange. Fantastic, whatever it is, that's your answer. And then finally, after I write new learnings, you can see it there. By the way, that's the number one spelling strategy. If you're a horrible speller, I bet you, just keep your eyes closed for a second. It's all memory. I train all the top spelling bee, like, like these winners and everything. The, how many of you, raise your hand if you're, keep your eyes closed, if you're a great speller. I'm just curious. I bet you, you see the word, and if it's spelled wrong, it feels wrong to you, right? You see it and it feels, oh, something's off. Because that's the right strategy, neurological strategy, visual kinesthetic. But the poor strategy most people learn spelling is, is auditory. They try to spell words phonetically, but most words aren't spelled phonetically in the English language. Even the word phonetically is not spelled phonetically, right? <laughs> and so they spell it wrong because they have an auditory strategy, right? So everything, there's always a method behind the magic. Genius leaves clues. So anyway, if you can see the words new learnings. Now finally, number 10, the 10th place in my office are all these bonsai trees, these Japanese plants on the side of the classroom. What's number 10? What's the 10th place? Bonsai trees. And you want to remember stress management. So I want you to imagine you're getting a massage on the bonsai trees or you're meditating on the bonsai tree. See and feel and hear what that feels like. Imagine that. Whatever stress management is for you, maybe you're having some glass of red wine on the bonsai trees. All right, everyone stand up real quick. Stand up. Now, you are the memory expert. You are on stage. You are at the conference. Uh, we won't use any branding here, but you have to give the 10 tips on how to unlock your quick brain, and you're on stage. Now, you didn't have to use flashcards or rehearse things 50 times or anything else like that. Spend days and days to do it. You need to know, nail the 10 points, which you know because you're an expert. Walk around my office. So don't tell me the place. Tell me the brain tip. Number one brain tip is what? Good brain food. Yeah, nice. good brain tip, food. You walk over to the bridge, you see what? Killing ants. Number three is the elevators. What? Exercise. Exercise. Number four? What is the hallway? The hallway is brain diet, brain supplements. Vitamins. Very good. Number number five. What's the fifth place? Peer group. Closet. Closet. The peer group. Closet. Good. What's number? What's the sixth place? Receptionist. Cleaning. Clean environment. What's behind the receptionist? Fish tank. What are they doing? Sleep. Sleep. From there you go where? The door. How do you open it? Protection. Protect your brain. Finally, nine is what? New learning. New learning. And ten is what? That's management. Can you do it backwards? Really quickly. Can you do it backwards? Yeah. Yes. What, what is it? Stress, Stress management. management. New learning. New learning. Protection. 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 Sleep. Sleep. Clean. Clean. Positive peer group. Positive peer group. Vitamins. Vitamins. Exercise. Exercise. Killing, uh, uh, killing ants. Killing ants and, and brain diet. Right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. At Less Doing, we help entrepreneurs who have opportunity in excess of what their infrastructure can support to set up systems and processes that empower a team to ultimately make themselves more replaceable. That way, they can optimize, automate, and outsource everything in their businesses in order to be more effective. If you want to find out more about Less Doing, the podcast, the blog, the books, and all of the wonderful programs we offer to help you get from where you are to where you know you want to be. 
go to lessdoing.com slash podcast and check out our OAO blueprint so you can get started today.